Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Bailey, and welcome back to the Smart Money Podcast. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Now, before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to remind you guys to take a quick second and hit that follow button. Absolutely free to you. Helps me out a lot. And we're sharing all this message about how you can handle your money and how you can be smart with it. Make sure you hit that follow button and onto the show. Now, today's episode, I'm going to be telling you guys about a very, very close friend of mine who in college used his student loan to create himself enough money to purchase a house and absolutely sounds um, kind of questionable at first. I'm not going to lie, but after talking to you guys, you guys will kind of understand the concept behind this and how he ended up doing this. Now, student loans right now are a bit risky. It's currently December of 2022 um, COVID screwing up the economy and everything else that went on, student loan rates and, and loan rates in general are sitting high, um, particularly student loans. Um, about the lowest interest rate you can find right now is just shy of 10%, which is uh, quite a bit when deciding if you're going to go to college or not. Um, but for the young investor, this can kind of be a little bit difficult taking out this much money at such a high interest rate. But this uh, information is kind of, kind of meant to age with this podcast, I suppose. Maybe something that sits in your mind for um, your kids or for maybe you're in high school right now and, and, and are looking to kind of go to college later on. Maybe you're out in the workforce again looking to go to college later on. Um, but here's kind of what he did. And just a little disclaimer before I tell you guys this information, this is not my financial advice. Take everything I say with your own risk. I'm only telling you what a close friend of mine did to turn student loans into enough money to buy a house. Now, I suppose we're going to use this uh, name for him. I think we're going to call him Chris today. I think, I think that kind of suits well this story, um, looking at a kind of a, a challenging time, but kind of thinking back, this was around 2018, 2019, 2020, interest rates were low. And especially during COVID, a lot of people were, were kind of offering 0% interest, maybe very low interest rates. But Chris was part of a five-year program. Now, kind of beyond the point, this, this program offered him to stay in school for five years and ended up getting a master degree after his fifth year. Now, Chris had a little bit of financial backing from a little bit from his parents, a little bit from his grandparents, and, and he'd worked all the way through high school, so he had a little bit of money sitting in the bank to help him go to college. Now, while student loans are distributed for the purpose of covering educational costs, um, and they, they kind of come from government, private lending organizations, banks, however you want to call it, they come from somewhere. Um, and I guess if you find yourself with excess money, kind of like Chris did, 
uh, you can always invest this instead of returning them to the government. Now, wait, 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 wait. Before, before you go take out a loan and invest it, we need to kind of talk about a couple things to make sure you are doing it legally. This is kind of a gray area. Some even call it an ethical issue with investing. I don't know if I'll go that far, but it's definitely a gray area for an aspiring investor. Um, now, while it's not strictly illegal, there are kind of a couple things you want to look for. So my, my close friend, Chris, ended up taking out nearly 140000 I think it was actually around $138,000 um, of student loans and kind of used this to generate an investment portfolio. Now, there's a lot of different uh, numbers flying around, different, different strategies you can use, but he kind of went with a couple high-end paying stocks that had dividends. Now, I'm assuming since you're watching this podcast, you know what a dividend is, but maybe you're a young investor, high school, you haven't really heard of a dividend too much, um, don't really know what a dividend is. So I'm going to kind of sum this up for you. So dividends are kind of a benefit um, of a stock, a business, whatever it is, and it typically pays quarterly, so four times a year, by a company to its shareholders out of that company's profits or reserves. So what this means is we can take our money and we can put it into a stock in four times a year, I, I suppose, depending on the company, four times a year, we will have money paid back to us in dividends. And we can either reinvest this, uh, we can either put it straight to our bank account. Uh, it really depends on who you are as an investor, how much money you have in. Um, but in this instance, Chris, with 138 thousand dollars took that money and he put it into a couple very high yielding dividend stocks the first one was Alteria group this paid 8.3 percent yearly um the second one that he was in was devon energy corp ticker is dvn this paid 7.3 percent annually uh, he was also in Newell Brands, NWL, 7% annual dividend. Um, and then the last one he was in was Verizon. And this paid 6.7%. So kind of averaging all those numbers together, we get around 7.1%, 7.2%. Um, and these are the numbers from back when he was doing this. And so they, they definitely could have changed right now. Um, and, and kind of the next word of advice I'll give you is, is definitely research what you're doing. I think he really lucked out going into only those four companies, but absolutely. If you're a young, inspiring investor, look at things like the S and P, um, you'll definitely get quite a, a fair share of stocks and dividends that will, uh, come pay you back. But I mean, that the, the full price of the uh, mutual fund will definitely grow over the time you're in college. Um, anyway, so Chris, Chris took his $138,000, split it 
almost evenly among those four stocks and then let the money grow while he was in college. Now, being part of this five-year program, he took all of that money, $138,000, and with that 7.2% annual return in dividends, he ended up making around $10,000 a year. Five years, you guessed it, he made about $50,000 in dividends. And this was before even considering how much these stocks had grown over the years. So by the time he was finished with college, he ended up cashing out of most of the stocks, left a little bit of money in, and ended up walking away after repaying the student loan with interest. He ended up walking away with nearly $100,000 out of college. Now, is this doable for everyone? I'm not going to lie to you. Absolutely not. It depends on what you're doing, where you are in life. Do you have money that's going to cover you in college? Are you going to work through college? Do you have some kind of scholarship that's going to give you free tuition, maybe not free living? Everything is going to depend on your circumstance. Now, Chris had it very, very well having his college 100% covered and being able to put this money straight into those stocks. But not everyone is going to have that opportunity. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple key takeaways from this story. Number one, investing student loan money is not illegal if done correctly. However, such investing does fall in a legal and moral gray area. Two, borrowers of government-subsidized loans could face legal action if they invest the money, which may include repaying subsidized interest. Three, private student loans have fewer restrictions and students likely won't face any recourse for investing this money. And four, this is a very big risk, however, might have the ability to generate sufficient return before the repayment is due after graduation. Now, one thing you may want to heavily consider when looking for the correct loan to send yourself to college is if you're going to have to be paying back payments and interest in college. I know most don't have this. Most start their payments the year you graduate, but you just want to absolutely make sure that you are in a good spot with that. Secondly, you need to find a private lender or a U.S. Department of Education contracted lender. The Department of Education generally has more strict rules about the accepted uses of student loan funds, while private lenders often trade higher interest rates for fewer restrictions. One of the biggest differences between federal and student loans and private loans is that the government subsidizes interest on some student loans as an investment in an educated population. Students who spend their federal loan money on non-educational expenses, example would be investing, may not be breaking the law, but they could face legal action from the DOE if their actions are discovered. In some cases, this may include repaying subsidized interest, as I said earlier. Now, kind of talking about amounts, the amount of each loan kind of is based on relatively complex formulas. And that takes into account 
dependent status, parental income, yearly income, residency status, and and whether the student will be attending full-time or part-time. The final figure is called the cost of attendance, and it generally includes a living allowance for students who are living off campus. The living allowance is the gray area of student loan use um, and kind of where that begins. And some students choose to invest student loans in excess of attendance costs in the same way that others choose to use their unrelated living expenses. In cases where institutional scholarships cover the cost of tuition, room, and board, students may find themselves with thousands of dollars in in unused student loan money to return or invest. Students who wish to invest student loans while incurring a little risk of legal action as possible should avoid investing government-subsidized loans. Again, pay attention to what type of loan you are applying for. Investing the full amount of refunded student loans is also a risky move. And more conservative investors choose to stick to the excess amount allotted for general living expenses. While litigation is a possible risk, the real risk most student loan investors face is not being able to make a return on the investment before payments come due after graduation. If you're kind of concerned about market volatility, uh, financial advice could help you navigate it. Um, there's a couple really, really good websites you can use. I personally use Smart Asset um, with with financial advisors. Um, this isn't me trying to sell you it, but I mean, there's there's lots of places you can look for for financial advice. Um, definitely a lot of things that can help you out in that sense um, to make those decisions if you decide to go that route. Um, next steps to invest. There's three big investment platforms. I recommend, um, again, this is not financial advice. These are my personal preferences. But following, we have Vanguard, Merrill, um, and Smart Asset. These all have kind of benefits to them um, and kind of all have a, I guess, a positive and a negative to each. Um, and that's that's something you're going to have to do on your own um, kind of research. But take into account how much interest you have on your student loan. Now, kind of when considering um, which platform you're going to use, definitely look at average rate of return as well as look at the forecasted rate of return. Now, if it's a time in the economy where something really weird is going on, um, like some kind of housing crisis like there is now or or some kind of collapse of whatever the heck it may be, um, definitely do your research and understand what is going on before taking such a large risk. This is something that can put you into a bad spot if you're not able to pay it back, but definitely make sure that the rate of return from your platform for the forecasted years that you'll be in college outruns the interest rate by 1.5. Now, this is a base base analyzation. 1.5 will will 1.5 return over that interest rate will definitely be iffy if you're going to be able to pay it back, but you should be making money on it. I definitely recommend 
trying to make back double what the interest rate is on your student loan. Um, this will definitely help you make make more money than you probably should be off of this, but definitely look at those uh, interest rates. Make sure you're getting the lowest rate possible. When when my friend Chris did this, he I mean, it was COVID years. He, he had 0% interest, which was absolutely an amazing experience with the market. He was able to make the money he did, but absolutely analyze what that interest rate is, understand what's going on in the market, and finally, invest that money. Now, be prepared. The market will go up and down, and you need to definitely assess your risks with the money in the accounts. Definitely want to be able to pay that back after your first payment, after graduation, but do your work, assess the risks necessary, and let the money run. Look at it maybe once every six months, and don't freak yourself out over it. And those dividends will come in, and you can either reinvest them into whatever mutual funds you're in, ETFs. You can either reinvest those dividends, let them roll to your bank account, and absolutely have fun with it. Guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Smart Money. I hope this was kind of eye-opening, maybe not something you may be using, maybe something you could be doing with your, your kids if you have kids or, or planning on having kids in the future. Definitely something that would have to be considered by a younger high school, maybe, maybe workforce, but looking to go into college, uh, definitely something to consider, something to be aware of, definitely pays to be aware of what is going on in the market. Alrighty. Well, absolutely. Take care and we will see you in the next episode.